maybe even just struggling to praise you and lift their voice to you this morning, God. I thank you that you're lifting weary hearts and souls. And I just thank you that you're in the business of taking dead things and bringing them to life. I thank you that's what the cross was all about, conquering the power of death. And you know, church, I've been thinking about Josh's sermon that he brought last week, which was so good. And he spoke about that little girl, Jairus' daughter, who was dead. And uh, Jesus went into her when she was dead and he actually called her to wake up and he said, Talitha Kulum, Talitha Kulm, which means little girl arise. And you know, I just have such a strong sense that maybe in this season you feel like there's some dead circumstances or some dead situations that are way past even the saving grace of Jesus. But I feel we're in a miracle season, a season of suddenlies. And I just want to speak that to whatever your dead situation is. Maybe your heart's feeling down and dry. Maybe there's a struggle in your marriage or in your family or in your finances, whatever it is. But I just want to say that nothing's beyond the saving grace of Jesus. And so I thank you, God, that where there is dead situations, that you're speaking life and even just arising, arising. And for those who are struggling, I just thank you that you're bringing encouragement this morning. And I thank you even for an acceleration where there's people believing for breakthrough, God. I just thank you that we're in a breakthrough season and where there's been battles, God, that you're breaking through on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. How beautiful was that? Such. It's, we always love it having these guys on stage, Ron and Kirsty, when they lead together. And Leanne and Beck. so amazing, so amazing. Thank you, team. All right. Who's excited for the sermon? Yeah, I, I love the sermon time and it's always especially good when my dad, Pastor Mark, is talking. How good was it last time he was here? If you missed out, have a catch up on SoundCloud, but let's give him a big hand as he comes. I know he's got an awesome word for us. Thanks, Dad. Thanks. Hey, guys. Who enjoyed that? Some of you enjoyed that. So that was, how good was it? Just um, how good to go back to some real basics, hey? Just some basic stuff, basic truths, but they're so important. And uh, so thanks, Ron. Thanks, Liz. That was just awesome, all that stuff that you brought today. So, we're good. How many kids are floating around in church? Hey, it's amazing. And um, just as I speak today, I'm even conscious that um, the stuff that we learn is really important because there's so many young eyes looking at us and um, for the example of faith and how to walk with God and what that looks like. And um, one of the terrifying things about being a parent, one is the financial strain. No, no, the other, the terrifying thing about being a parent is that um, your kids will often pick up some of your strengths and some of your weaknesses. And one of the biggest catalysts for me to change um, was when I actually saw some of my bad behaviour and attitudes coming out in my kids. Now I've got over it; they haven't, so they've still got the attitudes. But uh, but I had to um, I had to learn, for the sake of the kids that were watching me, to deal with my stuff. Um, and so may we do that not just for our own kids, but for the generations that follow. May we deal with stuff because who knows? There's a desperate need for examples of what godliness and faith looks like um, that's needed in our society at this time. All right, um, when um. When Liz and I started talking to Josh and Sarah about being down here a little bit more often, you know, once or twice a month we talked about, as I thought about what, what did I really want to talk, actually best dressed award today by far 
in the church. We, we normally do this every week. I think Josh and Sarah have let this slip, but Mr. Larry Hanson, you are looking pretty smooth today. So, so yeah, so he's, if any, some of you guys actually need fashion advice, so, so go, go to the, I can see looking around, some of you. So go to this man, he's, he's got it down, all right? So if you need some fashion advice, um, Larry's the man. Um, so I was thinking about what, what is it that's important for, I suppose, me to bring in this season when we're down here a little bit more often. And probably I felt that just my job and my role is to just help the right foundations be laid. And so the right foundations, and so last couple of times I've spoken, probably the next few times I speak, that's what I'm going to be focusing on. Some things that actually, if we get them right, enable strength to be built in our lives. And so I think today is one of those messages. If we can grab a hold of the stuff that I'm talking about today, I think it's going to produce some really important stuff in our life as we go through. So I'm going to start out of Matthew chapter 7. So some of these ones are going to come up on the screen. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. The thing about foundations is they're not the most exciting things to preach, but they're actually the most important. And sometimes it's great to come and talk vision and what could be and what could be and, and the potential that we all have and the purpose that we carry. And those things are amazing. They can be really exciting. Sometimes it's not so exciting to hear about the foundations. But who knows that actually what's more important, vision or the foundations to walk out, the vision. And so I believe some of the stuff we pick up today is going to be important foundationally for what God wants to do in our lives. One of the things that Jesus said near the very end of his ministry is praying to God. And he, he says this to, in prayer to God. He says, I have not lost any of the ones that you gave me, except for the one who was doomed, basically Judas. So I have not lost any of the ones that you gave me. What Jesus was saying is I've actually laid some foundations and actually set some things up in these lives and I haven't lost one of them, but they're all going to go on and flourish and fulfil what God has for them. And that's our heart here, is that not one of us here will lose their way, but that we'll all flourish and walk into the things that God has for us. So let's start with this. Matthew seven twenty four. To 27, anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus speaking, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's been built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Context. Because who knows it's really important to get context. So, so Jesus, at the very start of his three years of ministry on earth, he, he, a crowd starts to gather, and so they all come and they sit at this mountain, and they listen to him give three, well, probably hours worth, but three chapters worth of teaching. So he sits them down and basically says... Listen to all this stuff. It starts with blessed are those who are meek and blessed are the pure in heart. It starts there and goes for three whole chapters. It's a really cool read because Jesus sort of lays out all the things that are important for life to, for you to flourish. And then at the end of it, he comes and he, he finishes with this little bit up here. So what Jesus is talking about um, is all the stuff that I just told you in the last three chapters. If, if you can hear that, 
If you can put it into practice, then your life's going to be rock solid strong. So I think maybe what Jesus is saying here is pretty important for us to have a little bit of a listen to. Okay, what struck me about this is that both of these houses, tall intents and purposes, were identical. And now, Palestine, Israel, was pretty much a desert, and so there wasn't many storms, right? Makes sense? And so, for 364 days a year, both those houses look really strong. They both look pretty awesome. So, when they were being built, which could have taken anywhere from months to years, was there any difference between those houses? They looked amazing. They both looked strong. They looked solid. There was no difference whatsoever. But on that once a season day when a storm rolled in, something happened to one life that didn't happen to the other. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit here this morning. So the test for us is not how we're going most days. The test for us is how we're going on that day. It's not how we're going on most days. It's how we're going on that day. And what I want to share today, I believe, is going to add some strength for that day. Not the 364 when you've just got it down. It's that day when everything breaks loose and you don't know what you're doing, you don't know which way's up. Who's never had a day like that? Okay, <laughs> so, right. Okay, there's a maniacal laugh. I think that there's a story there. But so, so what we're talking about today is for that day. There's a saying I remember when I was a teenager that stuck with me ever since. I don't know who said it because I can't put a source on the internet. I'm going to claim it. So this is Mark Ewens' wisdom now. It says this, maturity is not how you act, it's how you react. Maturity is not the 364 days. It's what happens when all hell breaks loose on day 368. That's what maturity is. And that's what we want to talk about here today because who knows that we want to address that day so that we don't crumble on that day because who knows that months and years of work can be lost on that day if we don't have what it takes to stand on that day and ultimately we're going to learn it's not from us it's from him so we're going to learn how we access that today so that's foundation sound exciting all right so some people think that's that's okay all right Another way to put it is this, it's, it's not how we're going when there's no provocation, it's how we're going when there is. Who knows, you never get provoked in church life, there's never any dramas, it's just one big happy family all the time, there's never any issues, never any offence, never any of that stuff. But so, in other churches, um, you know, some of this stuff would be important for that day. Alright, so Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've equipped us not just for the 364 days, but for the storms as well. And that what you want built into our lives in this season, in days of calm, is the resilience, the strength and the authority to walk through the days that are that day. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I really like Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. I might grab some water. Is that mine? So, let's have a read of that. You got that there, Eb? I went to bed at 8.30 last night. That's how old I am. <laughs> so, yeah, but you're like 70. I'm only 48. So it's a big difference. So, so you went, went, I was asleep, asleep by 
That's what comes from having grandchildren too young. So I would, don't do it. Don't have grandchildren. You'll just be constantly tired. So, all right. So Matthew 4, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, not by the devil, not by uh, being out of God's will. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God took him into a pretty uncomfortable place. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. The longest I've ever gone without food is four days. Um, I did not enjoy that. Um, Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And there was another couple of instances that were pretty much like that. But the same things were said. It is written. And then Jesus recounted a Bible verse. How was Jesus feeling after 40 days with no food? Hungry. How exhausted would you be? So no coffee as well. So, so no coffee, no food for 40 days. How buoyant would he have been feeling? How inward in himself would he have been feeling? I know when I fast, which as you can tell, I haven't done for a little while. When, when I fast, I go inward because you, you're just not having fun. You just, this is, this is needed, but man, I wish it wasn't. And so, so Jesus would have been after 40 days in this incredible, he just, he would not have been jumping around, doing cartwheels, singing hallelujah. So Jesus would have been in a pretty tired, vulnerable, exhausted, flat, hungry state. And in that state, the pressure came to sell out, to settle, to sin. So just to get the scope of what was going on here, this is the eternal, everlasting Son of God having a one-on-one confrontation with the fallen archangel Lucifer. And they are fighting for lordship of all humanity and all creation. That's what's happening here. You've got the, the most glorious archangel of all contesting with the very Son of God over destiny, purpose, over humanity. What was Jesus' response on that day of storm, on that day? What did he say? Did Jesus go to his feelings? Because remember how he was probably feeling. Or did he actually say these three words? And may these get into our spirit. It is written. It is written. So the first thing I want to say about how we stand in that day is in our heart we have it is written. I might be feeling this, but it is written that. And we have the capacity to stay away from how we're feeling and to go to it is written. I'm going to unpack that for the next little while. For Jesus, this was the bottom line, the final word, it is written. It is this that was his ultimate reality. Not what he was feeling, not what he was experiencing, but what was written was the ultimate reality for Jesus. It was his bedrock truth, the word of God. And the word of God was the thing his whole life had been built on. So may we today get a fresh understanding of the importance of building our life on that. I like... um, (laughs) So the question for us is, what is our bedrock truth? I put it to you this. Our bedrock truth 
is what comes out of us when we're in the middle of a storm. That's our bedrock truth. On our darkest day, on our most pressured day, on our worst day, what comes out? That's how we tell what our bedrock truth is. And if there's some challenge there for us, and I think there will be for all of us, may we actually get some bedrock strength into our spirit for that day when we need it the most. The other story, um, I don't think maybe it was mentioned here a week or two ago, was Jesus walking on the water through the storm. And um, so, same storm, same Sea of Galilee, same wave, same wind, same rain, same, same everything. It's exactly the same situation. You've got 11, 12 disciples in a boat and you've got Jesus. You've got 11 or 12 people in exactly the same circumstances as Jesus. The 11 and 12 are freaking out. We're all going to die, save us. And what's Jesus doing? He's walking on the water. Why? Because there's a bedrock truth in Jesus that at that stage wasn't yet in the disciples. Same storm, which is why we, same people can go through stuff. Some can actually come out as more than conquerors. Others, it, something can crash in their life. Okay, here we are. I think you got that bit. That's sort of making sense now. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7. These are the words of the great foundation-building apostle, Paul. If you want to understand foundations, read what Paul wrote. You'll, that's where you'll get them. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7. So we are always confident. Wouldn't that be a nice feeling? Tell me if... Do we always feel confident? Who, 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 how, how good is that? How nice would it be? Who would like to put their hand... I'd, I'd like that now. I'd like to always feel confident. Whatever situation, whatever challenge, whatever work situation, whatever family deal, whatever I'm confronting, whatever job interview, I always feel confident. That's what Paul says here. And actually, I would put to you, that's normal Christian life. But anyway, so we're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith means we walk by it is written not by the circumstances around us. So to walk by faith means we walk by it is written. <sighs> what is walking by sight? Very quickly. It's walking according to circumstances, to thoughts and to feelings. Circumstances, thoughts, feelings. And I'll come back to that in a minute. And um, look, look, just a little story. To give you an example of what I'm talking about, um, as a, as a young man, um, in my teenage years, we all, we all go through stuff, but there was some stuff I could not beat. There was some stuff I wanted as, as a Christian, stuff I didn't want in my life, I couldn't beat it. It was, it was I couldn't, couldn't win. So every time I, I stuffed up, I'd go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. And so I'd say sorry, but after I'd said sorry, I still felt rotten. I still felt dirty still felt unacceptable to God, I still felt like I'd disappointed, let God down, still felt like that. And that, this went on for a long time. And then I read a Bible verse that says this, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and he'll cleanse us from any unrighteousness in us. And I thought to myself, that's the truth. 
how come I feel rotten even after I've confessed? How come I feel dirty when I've just been promised that I've been forgiven and cleansed? How come? So I, may, I remember making a decision. I was a weird teenager. So, but I think I, I was beginning to understand something of God even then. And so I said, right, I choose now to believe that Bible verse because it is written. So what would happen then? I'd stuff up again, and I did. I'd say sorry to God, and I'd start to feel the same way again. So my next step was I would say to myself, to God, to whatever, (laughs) if I confess my sins... And I'd say, thank you, God, I'm forgiven. Thank you, God, I'm cleansed. And so what would happen is this. Next time I stuffed up, I used to feel bad for days, like beat myself up for days. After a while, it was only a day. After another month or so, it was a few hours. And, And then eventually, that became my bedrock truth. That as long as I confess, then I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed. And so what did I do then? I actually taught my feelings to submit to the bedrock truth of it is written. And I think a lot of the battles that you and I have today is we haven't yet learnt how to submit our thoughts and our feelings to the ultimate bedrock truth and reality, which is it is written. And so I know from experience, for me to grow, that's been my battle. If my feelings or my thoughts don't line up, then someone has to change. And I don't think it's going to be the word of God. There needs to be a shift in me because I haven't yet aligned some things. And I'll unpack that just in a few minutes to make a bit more sense. But that's a story from my own life of what that actually looked like for me. One of the things I learned from this battle is this. My feelings lie to me. And my thoughts lie to me. Was the fact that I felt unforgiven, did that mean I was unforgiven? No. My feelings were what? They were lying to me. My thoughts were lying to me. One of the things I think we need to realise is sometimes we've been lied to all of our lives. And if we've had situations where we've been told most of our lives by significant others, parents, that we're no good, that will never amount to anything, or that we're not worth their attention, or anything like that, what does that do to us? it starts to tell us that you're not much good. You're not really very likeable. You don't really have a lot of capacity. So I want us to know that sometimes we can be lied to all of our lives until the word of God begins to get hold of us. Because I want to put to you this, is that salvation is not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's about God building in us a whole mind and a whole spirit and a whole heart. That's what salvation is actually about. God building all of those things to us. So, um, this is, let's just learn how to put the word of God into our lives a bit practically. So, this is, um, this is Bible 101, all right? Because sometimes what we can do, we can take bits of the Bible that were never meant for a certain purpose and we can use them for the wrong purpose and it doesn't help anyone. In fact, it just confuses everyone, especially people who aren't in, in the church. So here we go. Ready for it? This is Mark's Ultimate Wisdom 101 on the Bible. Genesis to Malachi, the whole Old Testament. They are principles only. They are not for doctrine. 
Doctrine means the, the, the things that we need to know to live right and all that. They're principles only. They're not for doctrine. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, within that, they're all poetry. So you don't want to be taking them absolutely literally because they're expressing something creatively through words that rhyme and through metre and whatever those things are. If Adam was here, he'd tell me. But just there's not they are truth and they are God's word. But just recognise what they're actually their intent was to convey something creatively to, that breaks beyond our rational thinking and actually can hit the heart through the emotions. That's why they're there like that. And so let's not try and apply doctrine out. That's not what they're there for. They're there to try and get through to the artists and the creative thinkers about who God is and how he interacts with us. All right? So far, so good. The Gospels, they're the unveiling of Jesus. And in there, there's examples of doctrine. But I won't talk about Acts and Revelations too much in vogue. But Romans to Jude, so the rest of the New Testament, this is where we get the doctrine of the church. This is where you and I get the doctrine on how we're meant to live. This is the instructions on, on how to actually build foundations in our lives because every one of those letters was written either for churches or for leaders of churches, with one or two exceptions. But they, they were written for that. So what I'm saying to you is this. If you're looking for the bedrock truth and foundations... You're not going to go back to Leviticus and say we all must be circumcised. That's not, the, that's not the bedrock revelation that you want, is that we must all be circumcised. It's not doctrine. We're getting that from, oh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound whole mind. That's, that's in those doctrine books. That's what we can actually build in as bedrock truth. So what happens is this, something, I'm going to wrap it up probably in five minutes or so, something bad or tragic happens, we can feel God's abandoned us, he's left us, or that God is cruel. Oh yes, God just decided to take a home to be with him. I hate that. Probably more than anything else, is when you go to a funeral and you've got people grieving because they're sad because they lost someone they love dearly, or some are relieved because they're gone, or whatever the situation is, but you've got some doofus up the front saying, I just, God took him home to be with him. What an absurd thing to say. Oh, you, I sort of want you home with me now, so here, have a car accident and come be with me. Some of the things we say, so anyway, so, all right. We get a boss, teacher, church leader, tells us we need to do better. We can start to feel that we're useless or that we'll never be a good worker, a good student, whatever. Because if our feelings and our thoughts are our bedrock truth, then our house is going to get shaky real easy. In Australia, one in four people, roughly, are going to have a significant battle with anxiety and depression. And, and more would be undiagnosed. There will be periods when that's it's just dark, it's just hard. Which means that their emotions are up and down. And who knows that emotions, feelings aren't the bedrock reality? Because if they are, then we're like this as well. It can't be. There's got to be a deeper reality. There's got to be something stronger that we base our lives on than, than the way that we feel confident or don't feel confident. There's a deeper, deeper thing that we have to build our lives on. But we do it all the time, don't we? We uncritically accept what our thoughts and our feelings are telling us. I feel they don't love me. I feel I don't belong. But since when did feelings become... 
the, the guiding bedrock truth of your life. Because the Bible says this, that we are all accepted in the beloved, every single one of us. And if we're feeling we aren't, then let's wrestle with some of that truth. And I thank you, God, that I actually I am accepted by you. You know, that's why we need to be born again. That's why coming to Christ is so important. Because we don't want to live our lives up and down. I mean, my teenage years, they were horrible. I was like, apart from Ron, I think I'm the most emotional person in this room. <laughs> How many times have you cried this week? Huh? Many? Okay, all right. So, so, so I, and, and I laugh easily. Normally at myself doing something stupid. Oh, I could tell you stories. But what, what, I've, what I've learned is this, is that I need to be able to feel deeply, but I need to be able to submit that to the bedrock truth of God's word is written. I, I, I'm not dumb. I've got a good mind. But I need to submit my thinking and the ways I approach things to the bedrock truth of it is written. Because my wisdom is nothing compared to God. I have to put my preferences aside and recognise that the ultimate truth sits in his word. My life is stable because I'm learning to do that. I'm not up and down. There's a consistency. I got up chicken at work the other day, not a live one. So I work for Facts in, in Sydney. And um, it's not a live chicken, but every month we have like awards to the one employee gives it to another one. It's like a ceramic chicken there. And um, there's three of them that goes around the office. And thank God I was having a sickie. That, I mean, I, I wasn't at work that day when they handed them out. Um, um, but, but, <laughs> I, so I got these chickens on my desk the next day when I got back from my very sick day. And, um, and I came in the next day and my, one of my colleagues said, all hell can be breaking loose around us and we're all panicking, but you're so calm. That's why I'm giving it to you. Now, I'm not actually calm, I'm freaking out, I just don't show it. No, no, no. But there was, there was a recognition of there was, there, was, there was something. May we feel richly, may we think deeply, but may it be subject to the incredible authority and the strength of it is written. It is written, it is written. So when we're going through a storm, we can say it is written that all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So when we are afraid, we say, it is written that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. So when we've lost hope or purpose, we say, it is written, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, give you a future and a hope. And we say it is written until our, our heart and our mind actually believe that it is written. We need to train our minds. That's why the Bible says that we are renewed and changed by what? Transforming by renewing the, your mind. Thinking differently. Thinking differently. Why? There'd be no need to think differently if our thoughts didn't lie to us. But because they do, we need to learn how to think differently. And this can take months or it can take longer. And it can be most of your life, actually. But what it produces is an authority and a strength in a world that needs people that are living from something more than emotions or superior intellect, because that doesn't change anything. What the world's looking for is a people who've learnt to live out of it is written and show others how to find it is written. There is a way your emotions can be whole, your thinking can be whole, you can be clean, you can walk with purpose, and it's all there in the word of God 
for you. So in summary, house on the rock, Jesus is saying, hear my words, take them in and learn to do it. Where do I start? Google, of course. Google is the answer to I can't imagine life without Google now. Like, seriously, like, where I work, there's so much stuff. We, we get hit from stuff out of left field all the time. And so, yeah, go and add to the anointing. Thank you. Um, and um, thank God for Google. How do I do this? And then hopefully they give you a sensible answer and you go and, go and do it. But, but here's where you start. If you're battling with anxiety, or what, which is just another word for worry, Google this. Bible verses about worry. If you're afraid at night, you just feel oh, not safe. There's something going on. There's something you can't put your finger on. Go and Google Bible verses about fear. If you're feeling like there's a, not a lot of purpose, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't sort of feel like I'm good at anything. Google Bible verses about purpose. You can go to church too, it's a pretty good idea. And go to youth and go to Bible study and go to alpha groups. But as a starting point, if you want to know where to start seriously and you don't, you're not confident maybe to ask anyone, Mr. Google, the fourth person of the Trinity, will be able to help you out. Seriously. And I can guarantee you this is what's going to happen. You're going to get a list from Dr. Google and, and there's going to be about 10, 12, 15 verses on it. And you're going to read one and you're going to read it and it's going to do something on the inside of you. It's, it's going to actually hit at the things that have been binding you up, that have been confusing you, that have been causing you to worry and you can't stop thoughts in your head. And what's going to happen is you're going to hang on to that and you're going to pray that and you're going to speak that out loud in the darkness of your room even. And what's going to happen is that your feelings are going to begin to shift. And your thinking is going to begin to shift. And all of a sudden, when you start to feel that again, you say, oh, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I'm not going to fear because perfect love casts out all fear. And I know that you love me, God, so I don't need to be afraid. How good was that verse Liz read? Nothing can separate us. There's a good one. If you're feeling afraid, nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. So you don't need to go to your pastor. You just need to, to access some stuff that you can begin to build as the foundation of your life. I don't know. That's maybe my secret. I've just learned how to put it is written at the front and centre of everything about my life. And I think that's about all I need to say. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. I'll hand over to Josh or Sarah. I would love it, guys, if summer today helped you just on that day stay strong. On that day, you're walking on top of the waves. You're looking at all the mere mortals going, what's wrong with you disciples? Come on, come out here and walk with me because there's a greater reality I live by. I don't live by what I see or how I feel or what's happened to me in the past. I refuse to let them be my God. My strength is in it is written. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single person here, wherever we're at. 
whatever area is missing, it is written. May the antidote from your word just be hit there in Jesus' name, into hearts and lives. Just truth bombs, just revelation, reminding. I think for a lot of people, there's some reminding through this morning. Reminding, reminding, reminding. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for a group of people who won't just look good 364 days a year, but will stand and flourish and stand firm on that day. In Jesus' name. Awesome. How good was that? Such practical truth. And, you know, excuse me. Um, Dad said at the beginning that part of his role is to help lay foundations. And as you can see, he just has such a solid foundation of the Word and solid understanding of the Word in his life. And it's such a blessing to us. So thank you, Dad. I know often when Josh and I are grappling with things or trying to understand things, we go to Dad and we ask him, what? Can you help us understand this? And it's such a blessing to have that, I guess, that wisdom from someone older who's lived it and that authority. So thank you, Dad. Go away and chew on that, unpack that. I love that. Go to Google to research the Bible verses that might speak to you. We're just going to sing now. Um, whatever you guys want to lead, worship. Oh, you are life. We'll do praise. Awesome. Let's